You're listening to Latchkey Kids on the Channel 3900 Podcast Network. Here's your hosts Amy Poppinger and Sam Mulberry. Welcome to Latchkey Kids. This is a new podcast on the Channel 3900 Podcast Network. I am Sam Mulberry, and I am joined by... Amy Poppinga. Amy, uh, what is this? What are we doing? <laughs> what is Latchkey Kids? First first of all, what is a Latchkey Kid? Yeah, I think that um, y- you and I, um, th- this word came, somehow this word came up in conversation a couple years ago now. And I don't even remember the context, but I just remember that either one of us referenced it and we both instantly knew here's what that is. And I was that. And it was something that you and I had in common because um, we are a part of a shared friend group. And you and I had um, some common experiences growing up that others didn't have, I feel like. And uh, I was a latchkey kid. And um, I think I maybe even told you that. And you knew instantly what I meant because you were, in for different reasons, a latchkey kid yourself. And so a latchkey kid to me is... Um, is the description of being a child in the 80s who had a lot of time unsupervised, primarily due to working parents. Mm-hmm. Or in my case, like my, I had a single, I was growing up in a single parent household. So latchkey means you had to let yourself in, um, either after school or if you left for some kind of activity in the summer. So you, you had your own key, um, and you were, um, you had a lot of responsibility for just managing managing your own time um, and spending a lot of time home alone um, in, in in wait for that, uh, oh, frantic 20 minutes before your parent or parents got home and you had to do everything that you <laughs> were supposed to have done hours earlier. Right. So we both have a lot of experience as a kid living in this space of unstructured time, unsupervised time. So when you think about your childhood, what are the times of day when this would be most prevalent. Yeah, definitely during the day. Um, so er, um, er, early to mid-morning until until sort of late afternoon, um, until 4.30. 4.30, and I know we'll explore this, 4.30 was a bit of the, again, um, the, the magic hour of when it was like, okay, my time's up, time to uh, sort of, you know, both literally and metaphorically clean this place up and get ready for the adult to come home. And right. I think that um, there's something something interesting about being a latchkey kid is you were very much still recognized as like, I am a kid. Like it, it wasn't about we need you to grow up and be an adult. It was, no, you're a kid, but you still need to take care of yourself. So what about for you? Yeah. Wise? I mean, so, so I would say I would get home from school. So you, t- you described a summer day yeah, pretty well, right? Yeah. So, so a school day, I, I had the same thing in the summer. My dad would, would come home. He had a job where either he came home at two, uh, 2.45 or 3.45. Okay. So it was all, that was always key to know what time is he coming home? Because as you point out, there's about a 30 minute flurry yeah. mm-hmm. where, and, and you got to know when that is. And if you ever make the mistake of not being ready, that's not a pro, or that, that's not a good thing. School day, um, I would, 
sometimes get home before my dad. And sometimes my dad would have, he was a coach for a while. So okay. when he would coach, then it would be till 4, 4.30. Sure. Um, but I would frequently get home and be the only person at home. Um, or my older brother would be with me and, and we would be the only two kids at home. And I think as a parent, it's interesting to think like, we now have kids at an age where we would not feel weird about having them home alone. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm, now I'm guessing, right? You would say that about your kids? Oh, yes. Yeah. To- totally agree. But, but we were doing this well before the ages of our current oh, kids. absolutely. And um, it was just routine. Um, same thing for me during the school year, although a little bit later, um, there was a point in time where my mom was a teacher, but we would walk home from school, which actually was like a... a really long walk or, or, or she paid a young teenage guy. Um, I mean, he wasn't really our babysitter because he literally just drove us home. Um, and we'd get home about three and then she would come home about five. So I had kind of a, a two hour um, window of time there, but you know, it's so different in that we had activities. I mean, we, we played sports, but none of that happened until after dinner. Mm-hmm. So, so none of that was, was after school. There was this, this two hour window. And for me at least of, um, and, and man, you'd think that two hours went by really fast, but I actually don't feel like it did. I feel like we packed a lot. Well, and, and, two hours. and I don't know about your experience, but my experience w- was even when parents were home, that didn't mean we were all doing things together. There was a, a key to this is unstructured and unsupervised time. Exactly. And it, it, it's, um, I don't have to worry about my mother contesting this because she'll never listen to this podcast. Um, but as a grandmother now, my mother seems to um, recall these memories of we spent so much family time together, playing games, reading books. I just don't think that's quite true. Um, I My memories are that adults did their thing and we kids were expected to do our thing. And we did gather together at mealtimes, but then even sort of after mealtimes, there was this whole second wave of what we could call being a latchkey kid. And that from the time I finished doing the dishes until the time I was required to go to bed, I was just doing my own thing, you know, mostly, which involved television. <laughs> right, right. And 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 that actually leads us into what we want to talk about today. So the, the purpose of this show is to think about kind of what life looked like as a kid back then. I think uh, the comedian Patton Oswalt described it as um, a parental style of benign neglect. Like neglect sounds like a bad thing, but it's actually yes. great. It was, it was, it, it gave us freedom at a younger age. So we experienced what that meant and there are problems with that, but there's also great things that came with that. We learned how to structure our time. We learned how to deal with this sort of open space and open possibilities in ways that I feel like uh, kids now maybe don't have as much experience with that. I agree. There's such a... um being a latchkey kid actually was a lesson in self-management. And I think not just in terms of needing to pay attention to time, um, you know, find this balance between the list that had been left for you as well as um, uh, like the fun you wanted to have. But but actually, even I would say like lessons in self-regulation, actually recognizing the feeling of I've had too much screen time today and what that meant to us. And um, I do think that's very different now. Um, I was born in 1977 and you were... Born in 1977. Right. So I, I guess I just want to be clear that I think of this, you know, this is a, this is an 80s podcast in the sense that um, I feel defined by um, the 80s and it was formative for me. And I think that is the true latchkey kid um, era. 
Uh, and so this is also a podcast again about, about how that shaped us. And I actually not thought about that, but I think you, of you and I both as, um, nobody taught me how to, how to like, no one taught me how to structure time. No one taught me how to manage myself. And again, that wasn't like neglect. I didn't have a parent over in the corner passed out or something. It was just sort of your, you're a kid, but this is your responsibility to be able to figure these things out for yourself. Absolutely. And I know as a parent now how hard that can yes. feels to like give yes. your kids that kind of freedom. So one of the things that would... And I'm not sure I trust them with. That's right. <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, is always interesting when you think about that sort of time of the unstructured, unsupervised was there were things that we would do that... Um, depending on your parents, maybe walked a line of like, okay, is this, is this something that my parents would be okay with me doing if they knew I was doing it? Now, they've clearly given me access to something. So this is going to lead into what we talk about today, which is um, we also, if you're thinking about the 80s, this is the birth of MTV. Now, it's funny to think of how, M- how irrelevant MTV yes. is in 2021, yes. but it was, uh, it was at the sort of the center of the culture um, in the 1980s, uh, there were things called music videos on there. And I remember, did you live in a house where the idea of watching MTV is something that would have been uh, frowned upon? I would say yes and no. My mother was never, um, she was never a, a, a strict regulator of say the music that we listened to, or even to some extent, the television that we watched. However, again, I feel like it was easier in the sense that if your parents wanted to know what you were watching, they had to, they just came in the living room and looked at what you were watching. If your parents wanted to know what music you were listening to, they went in your room and opened the door. You, you know, you had to wait for, I mean, yes, there were cassette tapes and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point because I know we both remember our first cassette tape, but you know, um, I had to wait on the, you, your parents knew like what the radio stations were. So that I think they had more awareness that way. Um, Television during the day when I was alone was not something that was regulated in the sense there weren't channels that were forbidden. Now, maybe my mom wasn't even aware that um, when my parents divorced, we somehow held on to that cable package. But my mother also was not a TV watcher other than 8 o'clock on Thursday nights when um, Simon and Simon was on before Dallas. So, so I don't even know that my mother really knew um, what MTV was, or if there was just a little bit of the naivety of, of truly sort of trusting the man that mm-hmm. if something is on in the middle of the day, it's going to be appropriate for, for kids. Sure. Sure. If you're, if you're able to access it, yes. it's probably okay. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, I mean, what about for you? Yeah, I would say I don't have any memory of being told I couldn't watch something. Although I do remember feeling that there was something, maybe I just picked up in the culture that there was something maybe edgy about watching MTV and that, that it like, it's better that they didn't know, even though they yes. probably didn't care. Um, yes, I definitely did not at dinner talk about what I had watched that day or talk about, say, music artists I liked in general. My mom's interested in a lot of things, but she herself was not really a music person and mm-hmm. thus, 
I don't think, you know, there, there, there's parents who maybe are overly aware of what their kids are listening to. I think my mom just didn't even think about it. It just wasn't so, but I fully agree that <laughs> you pretty quickly get a barometer as you're watching and listening to, here's what would be okay. I'm pretty sure I'm never going to mention this one. Right, right, right. And I will say my favorite memories of watching um, watching music videos come on Friday afternoons. Uh, my parents would often, they would go out to dinner with their friends and my brother and I would be home alone. And we would, uh, by the end of the eighties, we would order pizza. Our, our hometown had oh, a, exciting. had a restaurant by probably 86 that delivered, delivered pizza. pizza. Yeah. So, so we would order pizza and we would watch the, the, the like top five videos for the week on, on, MTV or VH1. And, so, and then sometimes you could do both. But like, but so that's like my favorite memory. So every memory I have of it is um, p- parents are gone. So we're going to do this thing, even though if parents were there, it probably didn't matter. Agreed. Although I think it's just even what you said right there. I had not, I can't remember the last time I thought about VH1 mm-hmm. um, and thinking about how like VH1 is kind of the PG 13 mm-hmm. of MTVs are, and just how, um, even as a kid, you kind of knew, like, well, VH1 is okay, you right, know? And, right. when, and, and maybe when I, I needed um, a break from sensory overload, you could switch over to VH1. Right. It was a little softer in, it in, was. in kinds of ways. Yeah. No, definitely. That's pretty funny. So yeah. here's what we have for this episode. We're going to revisit those days of the top five videos. So I went onto YouTube, and what I wanted to find was the full like MTV package of a video countdown. And I thought, well, this will be easy because every video exists right. everywhere. Turns out it was harder than I thought. Okay. But I did find for I, I did find a, a top five video package for a week um, that is right in the probably the sweet spot of our childhood. So this is August 8th, 1987. So I would have just turned 10 in May. You were turning 10 in December, right? Correct. And I okay, I just want to point this out right there. If I think about, <laughs> if I think about the sort of restrictions awareness I have of what my children listen and watch at ages 13 now and 14, it cracks me up that I remember every song that we are going to cover here. Um, remember most of the videos and I was nine years old. So, <laughs> so, so one of the things that we're going to do with this is on the, if you look on the episode notes, um, attached to this podcast, I'm going to put links into these videos and I will include, uh, the video link to the full MTV feed. Now for rights purposes, they had to edit out the actual videos from that. But if you want to hear the VJ, you know, kind of the break build it up, down. break it down a little bit, yep. um, you can, you can listen to that. There's also some really interesting commercials on that that I, a couple of those I, I, uh, I want to point out. Um, but let's jump right in. So we're gonna we're gonna actually watch the video together. We've we've seen these and sort of talk a little bit about them. And what I found interesting is this. So this is picked completely arbitrarily. Like this was because I could find them. There's nothing magic about this. These are not the best songs. Right. From these the are 80s. not the top five of the year. I don't even think these the. Uh, maybe with one exception, these aren't even the best songs no. from these artists. Agreed. These are low tier songs from these artists with maybe one yes. exception. These are numbers two and three on the albums. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's start off with, uh, song number five on the charts. And I believe that when we say the charts, I believe this came from people calling in and yes, requesting. requesting. Yep. Requesting. So this is the number five most requested song from our video from August 8th, 1987. This is Starship's it's not over 
till it's over. So uh, as we talk through this, Amy, was is this a song slash video you remember? Well, um, yes and no, Sam. Because uh, what I observe right now as there is, of course, we start in darkness. We've got some good close-ups of, um, of instrument playing. And then there's some good backlighting, the same type of backlighting, I'm going to argue, you could get in a school picture from Life Touch. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to remember it. And then I realize that what I'm remembering is just starship in general right. because it's quintessential starshipy looking yeah you, but do you remember if, uh, me remember during the probably a couple months ago there was they fed all of like nirvana's music into ai yes. and, it, and it created a new nirvana yeah. song this feels this like they the, did it yes, with starship this is the new starship song <laughs> so one of the things that jumps out at me is that this is not a visually interesting video at all no, but I the camera it. keeps moving like crazy it's never still lots of cuts um it's it's like a concert video, but there's no crowd. <laughs> They're on this weird set performing. Um, there's a very, like, and I always, I enjoy. <laughs> oh, that just needed, yes, it isn't over till it's over. And it's not over until you see just the teeniest bit of chain link fence. That's right. Which I do not understand why it's there, but there it is. A couple of little things to point out here. We're going to see the uh, the keyboard player in a little bit here. Some things I noticed about him. Now, the synth and keyboard is really important in the 80s. Um, the keyboard player also oh, has a keytar. He's got a keytar. So, so he's not playing the keytar. He has it strapped on his, his back. back. Now, also, if you look at the keyboard player, he also has a computer monitor on his... It's not turned on. Oh, <laughs> I don't know like um, if that's just like a piece of technology no, they're I throwing No, I think he's there. playing Oregon Trail. That could be. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, the lead singer here is actually wearing the exact same checkered shirt that um, Eddie Van Halen wears in the music video, Jump. So there's a, th this has a very characteristically 1987 look, although I'm going to argue it's actually a little bit more 85, but it would make sense to me with Starship that they didn't quite get the fashion. It feels until, behind the time. It, feels, yeah, it definitely yeah. feels so, okay, behind the time. The guitar just kicked in here. Here we go. Now let me ask you this. If you have a synth yeah. keyboard, why do you need a guitar? Because you might, because you're going to move around. Even in the video. Well, sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think that while it's clear they've given him a specific location, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I actually think this is a great pandemic video, too, because it is a socially distanced band. Is everybody is like eight everybody. feet away from everybody yes. else. And I think it's very clear that Grace Slick is worried about if she, she move out of, I mean, she's going to fall. She's going to fall off of the platform. Um, this also, the set looks like maybe people just finished a very large painting project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scaffolding. And I also, I do you think that there was why the why does the color never change? It's blue. We've got blue backlighting, a little bit of a gray, but it never well, never goes. I to think paint. you raise an interesting point here too because when we look at these five videos, we want to think about production value. Yeah. This is a not not really a high production value video. There's not much to it. it. This is not a video that tells a story. It doesn't. What what is it? What are we getting over? Like what are we trying to? What are we still working at? <laughs> it's very vague. Now, I, when I watched this video this morning for the first for the first time in a long time, I was wondering: Is this either from a movie, or were they yeah. did they record it hoping someone, someone would put it in a movie? Up. I definitely think that they do. Um, 
If you think about it, it's not over till it's over. It's both a negative as well as optimistic take on the pandemic. It's very timely. Wow, wow. Starship is is ahead of its time, even though it's behind its own time in terms of fashion. I like it. Like, I feel like this is what, um, before we all switched from Pandora over to Spotify, like, this is the song we'd have to hear three times before um, we heard their better songs. Oh, yeah. This is the one they would try to shove down your throat. like. It is a great example of a band that, like, it sounds like the band. It's just the song itself is is deeply generic. Now, one of the things that I want to think about are some 80s themes that we get out of this. Yes. Now, I, I pointed out that this sounds like it's from a movie. This is, in fact, it is, in fact, from a movie. Right, and what what movie is this from? Um, Mannequin. And uh, when you when you read that, you said, "Oh, I love the I movie love Mannequin." I love the movie Mannequin. Um, so uh, what's interesting to me though is this is lost for me in the fact that like one of their greatest songs is also from the movie Mannequin, or was it Mannequin too? Um, uh, nothing's gonna stop us now. It's the same album, so they it's but they're right. it's both in so, Mannequin. So, so they were like heavy in the Mannequin I soundtrack. I can very clearly remember Mannequin, Kim Cattrall, Andrew McCarthy, um, and I remember Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now like multiple times in the movie. I have no memory. <laughs> maybe of one this of those. Maybe one of those times was actually it's not over till it's over, and you just thought it was a slow part of Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Oh, that could be. Or you know how like at the end of the movie, as the film credits are going, and then it's like you see songs, and you think, I swear to you, that song was not in the movie. So maybe this was playing on someone's boombox. Yeah, or it was the just the guitar break or something. Or during one of the scenes where they are overnight frantically creating a new window dressing scene to wow the customers, which is like the premise, right, <laughs> of Mannequin. Maybe this is playing when they are quickly trying to finish dressing a mannequin. And I just missed it. So part of why I like this as our first episode for Latchkey Kids is it's going to point us to things um, that we're going to do going forward. So look forward to some point, maybe. Maybe episode 115 will be our mannequin episode, yes, and we'll just, we'll just do a deep dive on mannequin. I would love that. Um, another theme you'll see in three out of the uh, five videos in the top five are all from movies. Yes. That seemed like more of an 80s thing that mu- music was used to sell movies. Movies were used to sell oh, music. Oh, I think that is definitely a thing because I think when is the – I'm trying to think of the last time I purchased a soundtrack, but I would argue that a good third of the music that I purchased in the 1980s were soundtracks. Another theme that comes out of this um, that is going to be heavy into the 1980s is the idea of us as children not even realizing it that we were wrestling with our parents who were baby boomers, yeah. their midlife crisis. And yes. Starship itself oh, is that. Starship is a midlife crisis. Now I'm sitting over here going, oh... Man, is that why I'm enjoying this so much right now is because I'm actually, I'm now doing that. But you're right. It is. It's a huge midlife crisis. I mean, this is a perfect example of what happened to hippies once the 1980s hit. Right. I got a mortgage. I got a Chevy Nova. I got I've got mouths to feed. So so those who those who are unaware, the the band Jefferson Airplane Airplane. is this like cutting edge psychedelic yes. band in the 60s yes. it becomes jefferson jefferson starship, starship in the 70s still a psychedelic band very successful in the 80s they actually just turn commercial they do a different kind of music this sort of like positive poppy yep. music and become just starship, starship. yes so if you're oh. familiar with the song i think that the, the most iconic song is we built this city oh right? it absolutely is so it's like like so we built this city was what do you know what year that 85, was 85 I think. so that was so that was sort of uh, 
kind of the segue into Starship. It was, in yes, respects, yes. Right? And so, yeah, I mean, like, I think Jefferson Starship was like, you're 38 years old. Like, it's not, life has not quite turned out. Like, you still care about the things you cared about um, in the 70s. But now, all of a sudden, you just don't have the energy anymore. But you you held on. And then when you get into your 40s, that's like when they became Starship. Mm-hmm. So it was, wow. And, that, and this is the There's last album that Grace Slick is on before she bails. And, and then, but I think she does come back for reunions of... Jefferson Starship, Jefferson Airplane, but not but not Starship. but not Starship, yeah, and that is a story. I wonder who. There's a story there. Absolutely, I wish that I knew Absolutely. all of it. But and, I just want to say I I enjoyed that very much. Like I really liked Starship, even though, and well, this is a whole other conversation. Lyrics that we didn't have right. Um, when we do the show of lyrics we didn't have right, we're gonna have to come back to We Built This City. Cause that's I think my I think we're coming right. back to We Built This City for the roller rink episode too. Absolutely we will. So I'll that tell, was a classic. I'm there. gonna save that story for that. <laughs> All right. Um so if you're if you watch the the MTV feed that that I'm gonna link, there are some commercials here. Um there's a Mars Bars commercial, <laughs> a uh, club MTV commercial, which was like their like a dance show. And and I feel like that was where I had to draw. Like, I was not allowed to watch that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's where a line was drawn right. for myself personally. Because those are civilians who are out well, there. Well, right. Yeah. yeah. You don't, yeah. Those yeah. are not professionals. There is also a commercial that I think very briefly has Lark Voorhees, who went on to play Lisa Turtle on Saved by the Bell. She's really young, but I'm pretty sure that's her. If I'm good at spotting stars early, I think that's her. Um, what is always slender? Uh, it is. It's a maxi pad. <laughs> I kind of. I was avoiding. I was avoiding that, but that's what it is. So, so she's in that ad. If you want to see it. <laughs> well, right. well, it was the. It was the. I think. Um, I needed that. Always was the brand, and then Slender was yes. the product, and I would have clued right in. All right. Yes. So we're just we're gonna go there sometimes. Uh, should we jump to number four? Now, number four. When I read this title, oh, I was so excited. Were you excited when you? Read I this absolutely title? was excited. I mean, like literally, um, could feel a serotonin boost. Because loved this song so much. I was ready to start doing push-ups. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, so the song is called Hearts on Fire, mm-hmm. which, of course, we what came to mind when you heard that? I was like, that's the, thong- the song from Rocky. Mm-hmm. And Rocky is training. And it's when I feel like... It's Rocky you, IV, right? It's Rocky IV. So which came out one, in 1987. It most certainly did. And um, Hearts on Fire is played when Rocky is like... Getting his button shape mm-hmm. because he is going to um, go. He's going to go exact some vengeance. He's going to go, you know, give the Soviet Union broadly yeah. its comeuppance. So um, I like immediately pictured Rocky like um, when he was doing those sit-ups in the um, Russian dacha that yep. they <laughs> that, that they give him. Only. We turns out this is Brian Adams' Hearts on Fire. Yeah. He is not the artist from Rocky Four. We're not <laughs> no. going to get a training montage, but let's watch this video uh, and see what we can what we can see here. So this is Brian Adams' Hearts on Fire. So this was a song that, I, again, it, this feels like a generic Brian Adams song. I don't think that I this is this is like post summer of sixty nine. Yeah, and so this is when I feel like maybe Brian Adams was starting to have to just dip into his greatest hits playlist to sell concert tickets. Well, it's it's it's. I think it's a valley in his career because true, he goes true. on in the early nineties with um the Robin Hood yeah. Prince of Theme Thieves uh, song. Yeah, everything I do, yeah. I do it for. And you. I like that we're crapping on this song, even though it's <laughs> it's number four on the charts. Like I think it hits number three yeah. on Billboard. I mean, he looks quintessential Brian Adams here. He yeah. looks 
Now, if you look at the, the, the guys in the band, Brian Adams' hair is pretty okay. It is okay. Everybody else is horrendous. It's awful. There are some... There, he's flanked by mullets, uh, his bass mullet, player and his guitar player. Mullets all around. Um, the look is clearly still... In, oh, he was wearing... That gentleman was wearing... It wasn't a bolo tie. No, it's like a Colonel Sanders tie. Colonel Sanders tie. So so I, I, um, I want to set the stage here. So we have Brian Adams wearing a white dress shirt yep, tucked loose, into jeans. Loose yep. and flowy. Yep. On his left is the lead guitar player wearing jeans and like a tight tank, tank t- top. black tank top. Black tank top. On his right is the bass player who's wearing a full suit with a black suit with a Colonel Sanders tie. <laughs> with Colonel Sanders. <laughs> both of them are mulleted, though. They are. I think they both are interpreting Friday casual in their own. I think it's a, a concert on Friday, and they're both interpreting it in their own way. And Brian's kind of trying to strike a balance there in the middle. His shirt isn't quite um, Pirates of the Caribbean. But it's on its way there. It's on its, its a, way it's, it's there. It's got a poofy shirt element it to There's it. There's a hint of Three Musketeers. <laughs> now we need to point out that this is a con. This actually is a concert it video. Um, so it's it's uh, it's shot at a concert with an actual crowd. Yes. Um, we're at the guitar solo now. Yes. Which, um, and this is clearly not the. I mean, I think this has got to be at the end of their act because they are very sweaty. Yes. This is not song number one. That is a big takeaway. From yeah. This. Brian looks like he's about ready to be done. Now. <laughs> Pay attention, because in a minute we're going to get... <gasps> Not socially distanced. Yeah, Mike no, sharing. Mike, Mike sharing. sharing. Yep. In, in a minute we're going to get to one of my favorite parts where we're, we see Brian pick up the camera and start to film the video himself. Oh, I love that. So that's that's coming up here. I think that's the sign of a confident artist. Yeah. It's not an early in the career move again. I think So here you go. Is, oh, See, here he, he goes. picks the camera up. He's so like, now give we, me that. Give me that. Now we have Brian Adams filming, filming. the video himself. Yep. On a camcorder. Yep. So there's a lot of audience footage oh. here. Now the thing, he's not a good cinematographer. No, this he's is not. not. This is not you know, Roger. Deakins. You know how now when they, you know how now when, um, before videos or films or certainly like rides at places like Disney World, there's warnings, right? Like there's warnings for people that have sensory issues. This video would definitely come with one of those now. Yes. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we missed when he picked up the camera is that this is during the bass solo in the song. Yeah. Is there a need for a bass bass solo? solo? (laughs) Oh. And it's not like a great bass part that you got here. Um, Because nothing else, nothing seems to really change. We don't slow down for the bass solo. There isn't. Wow. Now, have you ever been this enthusiastic at a concert for any artist? No. Could any artist make you this enthusiastic? Absolutely not. I think they're waiting for, I think George Michael is next. And I think that's what they're waiting for. Because this looks like it's the concert for the Prince's Trust, 1987. And I'm going to venture to guess that that was something that uh, Prince Charles of the United Kingdom was putting on for one of his charities. Oh, we got a little slow-mo jump at the end there, too. Oh, I love the slow-mo jump. Oh, look, the slow-mo wave goodbye. See, this is the end of their... They're That's walking right. off. That's the end of their crowd, set. Crowd loving it, though. Oh. <laughs> so the question that I had coming out of this after being disappointed that this was not from Rocky is I never really I, – I never – I always just thought of Brian Adams as Brian Adams. But I listened to this and it's like, oh, this – like when you listen to generic Brian Adams, it sounds not all that different from like generic John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah. It's like, do we need both? Well, I think we do because Brian Adams is England's John Mellencamp. He's Canadian, though. That's – same, but oh wait, oh but that's that's. Do you understand what I'm trying to say I do, there? I do. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make a mistake, my friend. I'm saying he is Canadian, but he is the John Mellencamp for the English folk. Okay, so are, is part of that that 
Canada, or excuse me, th- that England is incapable of creating its own Mellencamp atoms? Yes, because okay, like so what is, it. yes, exactly. Like, what does it mean to be the John Mellencamp of Canada? I, my brain just hit a wall, like nothing. But he's the Canadian import to become the John Mellencamp of England. I love it. I kind of, I think it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if someone has a better idea of, of who he is or what he meant to people, by all means, I'd love to hear it. And, and this is a pro Brian Adams podcast. Oh, it absolutely is. So, no, I mean, I think that's, um, there's many points around which you and I probably don't agree, but what holds us together is the ones for which we do. And that's, that's right. one of them. That's right. Because you have, you have, you have really good Brian Adams before this, really good yeah. Brian Adams after this. And as we said, this is still number four. Yes. And, this, and I've never heard this song no, before. Me either. But again, it's, um, I still think this is like the other side of the cassette tape, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just... This is, and, and you could tell he was tired. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was trying to bring it, but heart's on fire, but uh, feet worn out. That's, this was the mm-hmm. best take they had of this, too. I know, that's... <laughs> All right. It's the, I think it's actually the only take that's they true. have of that's this. True. It's how they made a video that's for right. this. That's right. It is interesting. In one of the commentaries, they t- uh, it was in the, the, st- the lead-in to the Starship um, on, on MTV, they talked about how they're going to film their next video when they have two free days. So these, things, these things are thrown together for yeah. some people. They're shot very, very quickly. <laughs> Um, so let's should we jump to number let's three? Do. Let's do it. Um, number three is a, a, a song that um, brings back a lot of memories. This is another yep, song from, from a, a movie, movie. Um, and it's also a cover of a 1950s yes. song, which speaks to another big theme, which is we also live through retro 1950s yep. in the 80s. We this, do. That's a yeah. See, man. Okay. Yeah. Yep. This is Jot that uh, down. Los Lobos's cover of La Bamba. Well, I felt like a, like a DJ when I said I that. Know, it's exciting. Now, what's great about this is in the Starship video, there is no reference to the film Mannequin. The film, no. This is all about all the about film about La Bamba. Um, I saw La Bamba in the theater. How about you? I rented it and saw it many times. Okay, I saw La Bamba at Cinema East. I think that's another thing is that my mom, I think, again, like being a single parent, we went to a lot of movies. We did not spend a lot of money on food, but we seem to save money for the entertainment budget. Oh, okay. Yes, I like that um, the band Los Lobos is um, also sort of dressing. I mean, it's not a straight up 1950s, but it's enough of a nod to it Mm -hmm. that they're looking cross they're looking cross generational. <laughs> and we should say so this 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 video is set at an amusement park. Yes. Like a carnival. It's a carnival. Of. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's an amusement park. Yeah, I think yeah. it's so a So we have we have carnival. we have the merry-go-round behind them. We can see the Ferris wheel. It's at night. Everything's yes. lit up. There's a crowd of people, but there is heavy cuts from yes. the movie Labamba. Yes. We see Richie making out with Donna. We see Richie's brother whose name I'm trying really hard to remember making out with his girlfriend we see richie and his brother fighting we see richie and his richie defending his brother oh that's gonna drive hopefully by the end of this i'll remember his brother's name now what i love about this is is i this feel like this is a oh there's a great part coming up here we have actually richie valens now has jumped off oh, yes. the movie screen and he's <gasps> now in the video I love it. I love that you could get celebrity cameos and videos. I feel like that's something that's also very quintessentially 1980s. So, oh. and, and because he crossed over, there are moments where I'm like, wait a minute, is this happening in the video or in the movie? Oh, well, that's what keeps you in it, I think. I mean, that's what's keeping me watching. Oh, look, and but see here, we see Richie, we see um, that uh, 
Lou Diamond Phillips is very specifically drawing a contrast between that was the character, here's me, I have longer hair. Yeah, yeah. So he looks way 1980. And this, the, the, the late 1980s jacket, which has sort of more of a Mandarin collar leather jacket with the snaps. Now here's the great oh. finish. So now it's morning and we get an oh, acoustic yeah. breakdown. But notice Lou Diamond Phillips is not Yeah, he's just tipping his hat to Los yes. Lobos at this point. So this is a reference to La Bamba, actually Richie Valens' La Bamba. Yeah. It is an old folk song. So like this yes. is like the folk song version of it. Um, and I love mariachi music, by the way. And having grown up in New Mexico, many of the restaurants we would eat at growing up would always have live mariachi music. So oh. I enjoy that. There's a lot of talent going on there with Los Lobos. <laughs> so anything else we want to say about this video? Well... Were you able to catch how many people are actually in the band? Because it it's, either, it's either four or 33. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say like seven or eight. Like it was because it's a it, lot. It, there was a guy playing a weird percussion instrument that had like, it was like a cowbell, but it was like kitted out with a bunch of other things you could hit too. And I kind of wanted to see more of that guy. Weird to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Um, this was the number one song in America for three weeks. Wow. I know. That's really something. It was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Picture. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So this, like, I remember this being like, like a Richie Valens moment. Now, again, if we're thinking, we're, we're going to talk about retro 50s on yes. this podcast. Um, you have this story. You have the, um, Buddy the Holly, Buddy Holly story, story with Gary Busey. Mm-hmm. You have yep. the, um, uh, Great Balls of Fire with Dennis yes, Quaid. Yes, Dennis Quaid. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So there's a lot. And then even a movie like Back to the Future is all about taking the 80s and going back to the to the 50s. So. Oh, that is that is a really interesting point. And we will explore that. The way that the 1980s is interpreting the 1950s. Oh, yes. that's fascinating. That's something to think about. Um, Any good commercials? Yeah, so we, we have another commercial break. Here's our second commercial break. There's uh, four commercials. One of them is for Timex watercolor watches. Now, that <gasps> particular product didn't stick out to me, but the 80s watches of like the yes. wild colors and stuff. Yes. Um, then there's a good star- plastic watch. <laughs> that's right. Then there is a Starbursts commercial. Oh, look at how Starburst has stood the test of time. Yeah. Way to go, Starburst. And it made me want to eat Starburst when um, I saw that, it. Just really quickly, like, which would you pick out? Which you know, color? Like, yeah. Well, oh, I'm a red guy. Okay, I like red and pink, which sometimes people don't like pink. And then that's... Oh, see, I feel like more people like pink. I feel like being somebody who loves the red is like a, a competitive advantage because people don't really love it and I can always get the red. Who doesn't eat red? It's not that they don't eat it. It's just they'll trade like no. lesser starbursts for the red. N- no one trades red. Nobody oh. gives away red. you got to live in my world. There's all It's, it's I, I flowing under- with red starbursts. I, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. But doesn't it sound like a beautiful world? Have you ever seen like a leftover red starburst? No, as opposed to the orange, which we probably if we look around the floor. There's probably one on <laughs> That's here right. somewhere. That's right. Anyway. So there's this. There's the starburst commercial. Then there is a fun... It's worth going to this. There's a phenomenal Legend of Zelda. Oh, my gosh. Like, like original Legend of Zelda. Like, I literally just when you said Legends of Zelda, this um, this feeling that I'm going to describe as a retroactive burst of annoyance with my brothers just came up. Oh, because I feel like Legend of Zelda kind of ruined other things we'd want to play because they were obsessed with playing Legends well, of Zelda. And I will say, not only is it a Zelda commercial, it is a Zelda commercial that I remember. I remember oh, really? this specific commercial because it's kind of irritating. Okay, like it's got an irritating guy who's like in like he's like he's having some kind of episode and he's just like naming all of the like creatures you fight in it it's a it's not a great commercial but it's seared into my head okay yeah so like so but that's cool to watch um and then there is a 
commercial for Showtime, the the you know ordering the TV network yeah. Showtime, starring Larry Bud Melman. If you're a Letterman, oh fan. yeah, it's a Letterman. We'll, fan. we'll have an episode on late, late night. night. Yep. Um, and there's such an interesting thing because he says he mentions two movies. Um, Ruthless People and the movie, oh, the Jack Nicholson movie, Heartburn. And okay, he says, I remember both. Heartburn he, is based on a Nora Ephron novel, <laughs> which I've read. And he says, if you find either of these movies on HBO or Cinemax, you get free showtime, I think, for like a year. <gasps> oh, which my is, goodness. Which is, of course, they're not going to be on those well, right, networks. Right. But, mm-hmm. but it, I remember those things in commercials where it's like, oh, maybe I'm going to start looking to see if it's on there and try to like get an angle on Showtime. And we'll have to talk about all the ways in which you, the work you had to go to to actually figure out what was going to be on. That's right. That's right. Should we jump to our number oh, two video? Oh, please do. All right. Uh, now I feel warmed up. <laughs> yes. This one. So... One of the questions I want to ask you, uh, and we can decide this by the time we get to the end, which video is more bananas, the number one or number two video? So the number two video is the the first uh, hit single from the artist Richard Marks, who made his mark kind of late 80s, early 90s. He had some, some, uh, some, some big songs then. Uh, but this is his song, Don't Mean Nothing. So let's, uh, let's roll this. Now, I feel like the production value goes up oh, in yeah, these definitely. last two videos. So we, we start with like uh, this like scenes from Hollywood. We see the Hollywood sign. It's yep. kind of like the seedier side of yep. LA. It's black and white, quick mm-hmm. shots. And this is definitely like they're trying to tell a story yep. here. And it's gritty. It's kind of gritty. Mm-hmm. So we see this crappy apartment built. It's mm-hmm. kind of like where the LaRussos lived in <laughs> Karate Kid. It is. And we have... Uh, and Mr. Miyagi hasn't fixed anything there right. in a long time. We have a, a young woman who's getting... Um, Moving in, she just got dropped off got, here. Looks like maybe the landlord walked her to yep, her and he's apartment. He's got a lot of creepy coming He's got a lot of creepy, he's got a lot of creepy looks at her. Now her neighbor is Richard Marks. Yep. Who is Who's a, spying on her yeah, right now from yeah. this creepy window. Yeah, that's the yeah. overarching theme of this yeah. is that maybe he's a, maybe he's the creep. creep. <laughs> so here we get the, whenever we get to the refrain, we get uh, Richard Marks who's like recording this song in his apartment on a reel to reel. Playing lots of different yes. instruments. And he's moving. And this is Richard Marks with his hair at its longest. It's yes. very lioness. Is this um, his best hair? Mm, well, I'm a short hair person. So I actually like when I feel like he gives up on this. Mm-hmm. And he goes to a shorter cut around 89, 90. But this, um, it's, you got to admire it. Although, yeah. if you notice, the women have the same, they all have the same hair. Right. Now... As we get into the second verse, it's like the woman is trying to get a job, okay. I think. I think it's an acting job. Yeah. And because the, the lyric, it's very literal of like what's happening and yeah. what he's saying. Um, so the song seems to be about like how it's more about who you know. No, and this yes. is such a hard city it's to live like in. It's like the hard Hollywood Knox story. Now, is what's this, happening? I think it's a police car. Because I, I, be- I believe there's some okay. like, it's, there's way too much flashing for it to be lightning. I think there's like a weird domestic violence subplot that's happening. Now, I will say this is maybe an 80s video thing too. I, I couldn't tell whether it was a love scene or domestic violence. <laughs> and it comes up a little bit later. And I'm, I think it's domestic violence because she seems real concerned. She seems concerned. But now, but now he just looked out the window, meaning Richard Marks has got a beer in his hand. He made eye contact with the uh, struggling actress and then gave her a nod with the beer as if to say, I saw that too. <laughs> so now we're seeing oh, a police, police car. car. So, I, yeah, this is making me think it's domestic violence. Now, I have to say, I didn't bother to really I don't listen read to the, the lyrics. lyrics much. 
Um, Richard Marks is um, kind of a one-man. He's a one-man yeah. band, though. So here's like our our, our oh. Hollywood party scene. Okay, getting a tattoo, know. smoking, yeah. drinking, drugs. yeah. So this is like the seedier side yeah, of life definitely. in LA. Now, this verse, it seems like okay. it's more about Richard Marx's Mark, career. He's giving his um, demo to, I'm assuming, a music producer of sorts. Oh. And There's some He kind of likes it, yeah. The, yep. And we cut back to, oh, our wannabe actress has now taken a job waitressing, it looks like. She's wearing a waitress. Uh, uniform and is headed to work. There's nothing wrong with that, though. I don't think there is either, but I think it's supposed to indicate that she's sort of... Not making it in the way she had hoped. She's not making it. Um, Now, what's interesting about this... Oh, so here's where we get the domestic violence stuff, I think, right? It's because all this is happening in the background through, like, multiple windows. Right. Oh, yeah. But then there's also the aerobics shots overlaid with it. Um, I don't know if, okay, so. It's deeply confusing. It's extremely confusing. So now in the song, we have don't mean nothing till it's signed on the dotted line. Um, is that how we're supposed to interpret all of these? Richard Marx is, what? Okay. So, so this is weird. So now confused. we're at the end of the, mo- yeah, end, end of the like, movie, I was going to say. So oh. she's leaving yeah. and a new young a woman's new coming young in. A new ingenue and she's saying, look, oh, the room you want's right yeah. over there. But what's interesting is it doesn't appear that she's leaving L.A. She's just going for a walk. She's just going for a <laughs> walk. She doesn't have bags or anything and, with her. And she's, Richard says, he gives her the same look as when he nodded over the beer and says, I'll be right here when you get back. So it appears like at first I thought this was about how this town will destroy you, but the woman yeah. doesn't seem destroyed she doesn't by seem the destroyed. end. It's just like it might be rough at first. Is that the theme? And of she's this? like, and then you adjust. Because mm-hmm. um, she's not even wearing the waitress uniform; she's just wearing a long '80s sweater. No, no, she looks good at the end. She yeah. looks happy and well adjusted. Um, wow, that now, one confused me. Yeah, and, and 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 this is a great '80s thing where it's like. The videos are trying to be mini movies and tell yes. a story, but you know, f- four and a half minutes is not a long time to tell a story, no. and they tried to pack a lot in there. They and did. so this does it through layering that you're seeing a scene in the background, right. a scene in the middle ground, and a scene in the foreground. It seems um, like someone's directorial debut. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who, but um, the song, um, and I I see in your show notes here that it also features um, Joe Walsh, Randy Meisner, and Timothy Schmidt from the Eagles, and it has a decidedly Eagles vibe. To and that it. was that he's a big Eagles fan, yeah. and he was thinking about this being a song that could have been on an Eagles yeah. record. And yeah. I I got that. Yeah. I mean, I I did get that. So, um, like the song. Utterly confused by the video, yeah. and you know what? I'm okay with being utterly confused if it also kind of makes me laugh. I don't know what to do with this one. I don't know whether I should be concerned about I agree. people. I kind of feel like at the end of the video, shouldn't there be like a hotline number that yeah. comes up? Now, I will say we are – what we just said is through 2021 eyes. Agreed. In the 80s, you didn't We're doing, care. No, it was you like, did not, whatever. No. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if it didn't make sense, it was probably your fault and you should keep it your mouth shut. It probably was. All you'd be thinking about is, does that mean now there's a affordable room to rent? That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So speaking of – Videos that are pretty bananas that don't make a lot of sense. Videos with higher production values. Videos that come directly from movies. This is the second vi- video out of these five that has the same name as the movie it's from. Um, do you want to? Do you want to introduce this one? I'm happy.
happy to introduce this one. So um, if there is probably, well, I don't even want to say one female artist because I actually have another female artist from the 80s who I far prefer. However, if there is a female artist who dominated the 1980s, it's got to be Madonna. And so our number one song is the, the title of the song, same as the title of the film. It's Who's That Girl? And what we are um, looking at is the official music video. So the production value is much higher. Sam, what are you seeing? So it's like a weird set. There's these, there's like these four people, two kids, two adults. Madonna walks in dark hair, fedora, yes. long jacket. Um, very masculine looking. Mm-hmm. So confusion number one, because then we have, um, we hear female background vocalists, but in the video, they're being sung by males. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And children. And yes. children. Yes. And she's at a park at night. Now, this video looks so much better. Oh, yes. It definitely. looks so much better. She wanders in like she's sort of lost. The and New York skyline is behind her. Oh, first clip to who's she's that girl? She's looking into a fountain and seeing scenes, scenes from the film. Video. Now, have you seen Who's That Girl? I have. Because mm. I haven't, and I'm trying to make sense out of it from this because um, we see Madonna. I'm going to give you my pitch, and you tell me sure. how close it. We see Madonna as like a like a punk girl for a yep. lot of it, and then all of a sudden she looks like a nightclub singer. It's a little bit of a Pygmalion story, okay? It's okay. a little bit of a My Fair Lady uh, type of story. There's also where... a puma, though. <laughs> <laughs> there is a puma. This is true. So this is kind of quintessential bad girl um, who gets sort of turned into good girl, but captures the heart of the straight-laced good guy. It's a caper. Okay. It's a classic 1980s caper. Um, she. But this is decidedly a bad movie, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And um, she has like very much bleached blonde, white blonde, platinum hair in the movie. Does it have a little bringing up baby to it but with the with the puma? Is there a little um, bit of that? Or? No. Okay. No, the puma is really ancillary. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, when the puma is no. there, like she just, she has the puma. Now getting back to the video, does the Madonna of the video, not of the movie, does she seem to be enjoying these clips? As you're not really. Okay. I think she's almost mildly embarrassed. Like yes. right now she's running away from the fountain where she viewed the clips. Well, because the three of those people from the beginning grabbed her and sort of in a friendly way, pushed her into this room, which is like a museum. There's all these weird objects. Well, it's like a, um, yeah, for an, a taxidermist. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, but now there's a fortune, a fortune teller. teller. With tarot cards. And there's yep. a tarot card that says the high priestess, and it has an animated yep. Madonna. It has, it. Well, an animated Madonna. From the, the movie. Who's the girl. Yes, exactly. Yes. So just to be clear. And she seems to enjoy it, but then the tarot card reader's gone, gone but she grabs it. And there's a key. A key. And, and a key, she unlocks a box. She immediately figures out what the key is for. It's kind of Indiana Jonesy. It very is very Indiana Jonesy. So in here um, we have when she looks in the box. There's crystals. And now the crystals are once again revealing the animated um, Madonna from Who's That Girl. So she's sort of stopping traffic. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's um, she's she's enjoying now watching she's happy. this. Yeah. She's liking this. She's turning heads. She's driving a car. This is all animated. Yep. Which is also very 80s, I think, bringing yeah. in some animation yeah. into the live action. And now she's yep, dancing now she's with dancing. some other models, maybe? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And now the kids are back, which, again, makes no sense. And obviously the male dancer. And they're all dancing They're all around. dancing. And now she is taking off her masculine jacket to reveal a classic Madonna black bustier. Yep. <laughs> And now she's really happy. <laughs> we should also point out that part of the refrain of the song is in Spanish. Agreed. Um, so 
I don't understand why. Um, the film has nothing to do with uh, Spanish, and the characters that we see here dancing with her in the video have nothing to do with the film. So there's a bit of confusion for yeah, me. Yeah, it seems there. deeply unrelated. Um, yes. And I think it's in some ways it's a perfect 80s video because it does it really doesn't make sense. But nope. there's a lot of faux symbolism in it. Like, yes. like, what does it mean for her to go into that museum room? What does it mean that the tarot card reader disappeared? What does it mean that she opened it up and there's that jewel in there? What does it mean that she liked the animated version of herself but didn't like when the real version of herself was reflected back to her? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, this movie was first called Slammer, but was renamed after the song once it was written for the movie. Yeah. So, 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 uh, Madonna didn't write the song. Somebody else no. wrote it. And then. Which is something very 80s too. Like, it's really interesting to sort of consider what songs made people famous. What does it actually mean to be an artist? Do you have to have written your own songs? Because mm-hmm. a lot of these folks did that. Right. Because, because I mean, it, and we're going to move into, in the 90s, we're going to move into this, like, anti sellout um kind of the 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 grunge era where it's like about authenticity and not about being a rock star and there's more of a sense of like i wrote this song but then we move away from that exactly late 90s we you know you have your max martin world of you know these kind of hit machines that are cranking out pop hits yeah um i'm really proud of you for never having seen this film i think i'm embarrassed to say i've probably seen it two or three times this movie's awful in my in my in my opinion okay it's but if I am a fan of bad movies, would I enjoy oh, it? Oh, because I am a fan of bad yes, movies. Yes, I think okay. you would actually. Okay, from that perspective, this movie, unlike the Richard Marks video, this movie is worthwhile to return to for. Um, it thinks it's good, oh, so it's okay. funny. It would be funny. Um, so it would be a good companion piece with Madonna's Shanghai Surprise, absolutely. which also thinks it's a good movie. Yes, and is no not. agreed. Yeah. No, that would be great. Yeah. I actually think a, um, I don't know, an evening of uh, Madonna taking herself seriously as an actress watching those films would be a, yeah. probably a worthwhile. And, 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 and honestly, you could you could chase it with a lot of videos of Madonna taking herself unbelievably seriously. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. exactly. And, and I say this as someone who, though there are Madonna songs that I like, I should just admit, never been a huge, has never been a huge Madonna fan. Like, if you had to look at this list... If you had to pick one of these to listen to for the next 24 hours, the song. That's a, that is a which phenomenal one, question. Let me which think Which one about would it. you choose? I have to really think about that. You know, it's it's probably... Well, would I go insane if I listened to La Bamba for yeah, 24 I do. hours? I do think that you would. I think you'd yeah. throw up. Yeah. I, it's <laughs> probably the song that I kind of like the most out of these. Oh, is it? I wonder if it's the same. Uh, I don't know. Um um, Definitely not Brian Adams. Like no, that's that's forgettable. No. I have a clear winner. Is it Starship? Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> generic Starship wins the day <laughs> because I think that Generic Starship. I could probably listen to it. Like, say I was doing dishes, it could probably play on my Alexa three times before I realized it was the same song. Yeah, playing. yeah. No, I think you're right. And also, it's kind of motivating. I mean, it is kind of like I could run to it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I could finish up some chores. You could do your own. It wouldn't be like a Rocky montage, but you could no, do your own montage. You to could it. no. Yeah. I actually like it as a soundtrack for a, for a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, it's probably pretty good. <laughs> which is Ooh. which is I'm not sure what Starship was aiming for, but it'll I don't do. No, don't you think it'll do? It's Tuesday. 
It'll do. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of it'll do, Amy, how do you feel about the first episode of Latchkey I feel good Kids? about it. I think that it's going to, um, we're going to find a rhythm. And there's just so many fun and wonderful and interesting things to talk to, talk about. I mean, I think we're going to have things that, I mean, we want to laugh and we want to really enjoy it. There's times it might turn like a little bit serious because it's, it, it, we're, we're, we're doing some reinterpreting here. We're doing some revisiting and reinterpreting. But um, I know that um, I'm feeling a little more joyful just after having revisited these five videos. Absolutely. How about you? This was, this was super fun. Amy, that is all the time we have. We need to wrap up. So in the wise words of Billy Ocean, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Thanks for listening to Latchkey Kids. Email us at channel3900 at gmail.com and subscribe to the Channel 3900 Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.